Exodus 22, 28 through 23, verse 9. Uh, any, any major questions or <clears throat> comments or anything that that we can we can kind of jump off and start talking about. I don't know that it was addressed a whole lot in the sermon, but but verse twenty eight really got me thinking about how divided our politically our country and the world is, and how if whoever is in a position of power is not of my of people's particular persuasion, how they're quick to curse and speak badly and wish bad things on them. And this is clearly, I mean, we already know that God sets kings and establishes kingdoms and all, but this is clearly for not to curse them as well. It's like, yeah. yeah. Even if I don't say it with my mind, I know it with my mouth. I know I do with my mind sometimes. Yeah. If I'm honest. Yeah, if you looked at, I think if you just tallied up my prayers, mm-hmm. my, my personal prayers, Praying for um, our elected officials would would be low on the list. And you know, when we pray for people, even people we don't like, if you pray for them, it's harder to curse them when you're praying yeah. for them. And you know, I found I have prayed for the effects of leadership on our nation, right? But I haven't really prayed for our leader. Mm-hmm. That's a good distinction. I haven't thought about it like that. Yeah, I confess to Chance Sunday the same thing that, that he basically that he just said, and, and we agree that it's interesting to, uh, you know, I, I mean, I'll be honest as I was him. I'm, I want Biden to go to jail and Trump and Hillary Clinton and, and, and Hunter and you know I, the list is long. Everybody that violated the public so, trust. So yeah. I want, and so I want justice, which is which is here. here. So balancing those, you know, uh, don't speak evil and pray for them. I guess it's a difference and, you know, between revenge and justice. Yeah. Like I think some of us, <coughs> some people are so angry about how, what they feel yeah. has been done yeah. to our country by them and their policies that it has moved from justice to really kind of revenge. Mm-hmm. And I think <coughs> I'm probably guilty of some of that myself. Yeah, yeah. It's just so disappointing to feel like whatever side of the aisle you're on, that our leadership can't be trusted. Mm-hmm. That they've and proven that over and over again that they can't be trusted. And feel, I think there's a feeling of helplessness that leads to other unhealthy feelings. Mm-hmm. Not to excuse them, but it just like it, it keeps morphing into something else. Ultimately, anger and violence at the very. Well, I'm, I'm convinced, and I think y'all would agree, the level of corruption. Is, is hugely more than we have any knowledge mm-hmm. of. Yeah, I would be fine if we just abolished most of this, most of our agencies and mm. a lot of our our criminal justice at that level and started over. So it's, the message is we definitely need to pray for our yeah. Well, I think that's the response in in the wake of that helplessness. Um, and our really our inability to to change it on our own <clears throat> what we can do is pray and in that prayer I was thinking about that conversation we had dr. David and our prayer 
is crying out to God to do justice. So even though, you know, we do, we, we're, we're saddened by it, we, all we can do is let the one who can bring justice, bring justice in his timing. And I think, you know, we need to probably start praying for political candidates now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That it can be, for me, and I kind of have, that it can be a true discussion of issues mm -hmm. and not a personality mm -hmm. yeah. bashing. Yeah. Let's really kind of talk about yeah. issues and what are the viable solutions to some of those issues. And remember the other day I told y'all my pet peeve was lying. I mean, <laughs> do we not see over and over again how they constantly lie to us? It's like, what do you believe? <coughs> no, no. Well, then what gets me is these days and for the last number of years, the lie is frightening because you rewind to four, four years ago and here's what they say. Right. And they're saying something. <coughs> Come on, man. We, we have you right here. Technology. Many, many people like that. So, yeah, technology is a, I don't know, it doesn't change things. It doesn't seem to. It's so hard for me when I think about this is like, you know, how do you honor dishonorable people? Correct. It's hard. And it's really hard. And it, this is not a new phenomenon. Like, you know, that First Peter 2.17 when he says, honor the emperor. Yeah. I mean, for Peter to say that, he's saying, honor Nero, who, I mean, he burns Christians on the stake and uses them as torches for his parties. And Peter just said, honor the emperor? I mean... But is it, so is it the man or the position? That's right, it's the position. He said, honor the position, because it's really the position, regardless who the man is. That's right. So regardless of the dishonorable character of the person, we still are called to honor them. Now that doesn't mean we condone or we're complicit or we're, you know, approving. You can honor somebody without being any of those things. Same happens with honoring your parents. parents. Yeah. I may have mentioned this. I feel like I mentioned this some time ago. Uh, I, had a, I have a friend who I went to Louisiana Tech with who was in the ROTC, and it was, I think this was, would have been President Obama's second election, and he was just very, he, he was part of the armed forces of the United States, and his commander-in-chief was, was the president, and he was very careful to, to not say anything. Um, against him or to you know disparage him in any way and I always respected him for that uh, knowing him and, and probably knowing where he landed politically he honored the president and the, that the office um, and that seems to be the heart of what that first Peter passage is and I've respected him for that you know another struggle of mine is you know is applauding them when they do something good. You know, political people, I mean, because I can spot their faults and flaws all day, but then I'm, when they do something good, I'm very... You're stingy with... Yeah, I'm stingy with my approval. Uh, it's kind of like when you go into a store or something like that, like, and, you know, you're treated poorly in the store or in the restaurant, and you easily write a Yelp review, right? But then when you go into a store and like you're treated like, you know, like 
gold. Like, how many, I mean, I don't go home and write a review and say, I was treated like a king in the, in the restaurant. And they were so kind of, but I'm very, I'm very adamant to write a Yelp review that's negative. And I think that's the same thing I feel in my heart towards. And you know, people really respond to that kindness. We have, there's a place we go regularly and one of the little waitresses is as sweet as can be, but you know, she's got some piercings on her face. She's got tattoos everywhere. She's got pretty blue hair. But she, and Steve and I have befriended her and we talk to her. She tells us about her family and her anniversary. But she doesn't look anything like you would think would be one of our buddies. But we walk in and she puts us in her section and she talks to us about stuff. She asks about things about our life. And so that never would have been, we always leave her a really nice tip more than, you know, like 30%. And she, um, she's the sweetest little thing, but if I just looked at her, I thought we would not have anything in common. Mm -hmm. And that kind of all, yeah. It's all integrated. I think of my, my girls when, when they do something good or when they obey, I, I want to be quick to praise them. Uh, in, instead of them only hearing uh, me reprimand or me getting frustrated. So if they do something, if they have good manners, that was so good. Um, and I think <laughs> we should probably treat our, uh, our authorities in the same way. Instead of letting them only hear us when we're frustrated, we let them know and we appreciate their work. So can we say, can we praise Psalm 94? Rise up, O judge of the earth. Pay back to the crowd what they deserve. How long will the wicked be jubilant? Yeah. Can we pray that? Yeah. They pour out arrogant words. All the evildoers are full of boasting. They crush your people, O Lord. They oppress your inheritance. That's verses 2 through 5. But that goes, it's almost like the first half of the, this text can't be read without the second half. Where we yes honor honor the emperor honor the, the, your rulers, but also promote justice, and and rise up when there's injustice. We can't be silent, and honor the king at the same time. It reminds me of that text, the persistent widow, which is about prayer, but it's in the context of an unjust judge who won't give justice, and she persistently prays for it and annoys him. And annoys him and annoys him, and finally he gives it over. He's like, I'm just so annoyed with this lady. And the moral of the story is, will the Son of Man find faith when he returns to the earth? Faith that is exhibited through prayer and persistent prayer. I just think it's interesting. It's in the context of an unjust judge who will not do justice. And she just keep, keeps on going like, we should. We should continue to be un. Uh, obnoxious with promoting truth and justice. That is so good. Yeah, that was um, that particular point was was a good one for me to to think through. Any other ones that you guys thought about? It was the next one. Um, honoring the Lord by giving to him our first and best offerings, mm -hmm. not withholding from him because everything is the Lord's and he is worthy of all honor. 
Um, as Wes and I were, were kind of walking through that text last week, the, the, the big motivation behind that for me was stewardship. And um, I'm just curious if you guys felt that way or have any, uh, you know, anything to say about stewardship in, in regards to what these verses are saying. The only thing I can think of is that in my studying of Second Corinthians right now, it was brought out that um, a tithe is not taught in New Testament. So that was Old Testament. New Testament, it talks about giving sacrificially, giving joyfully, giving, but I mean, tithe is not even taught. So that would, like, at the least be a beginning point. And uh, I don't know. I just thought I'd throw that out there with giving of the best and the first fruits. But sometimes, you know, we think, oh, I, I wrote my tithe check, check, I'm done. But I think today for us it's even more because we, you know, we're not, we don't have fields and we don't have oxen. We don't, it's really, like for me, I think a struggle with giving my best is my time. Mm-hmm. My first fruits of my time are not always his. And that's, you know, I'm not... That's the part. That's the thing where I struggle. Although I, I do devote time. It's not necessarily the first of my time. Right, we're the best of it, and I'm even thinking, all of a sudden thinking for the first time, when is my best time? And have I even thought about that? And should I just go ahead and set that that time instead of maybe my first time? I would imagine it's not my best time. Yeah, like for me, it's probably not when I'm first up, but it's probably like a couple hours after I'm up and moving is my clearest, best time. And so that's probably the first fruits for me that I need to consistently set aside. But we're not, yeah, we're not all in, in places where we're able to say, okay, I'm going to step aside from my work so that I can give this best time to the Lord. Um, but even giving to God in the way that we work. You know, that's that's just that that idea of stewardship for me has been really helpful in the past few years. Just as it it puts in perspective that nothing is mine and that everything, even this time that we talk about, you know, certainly, certainly our finances and, and, and what we've been given. But even the things that I'm able to do, like these are all gifts. And not, nothing is mine, and everything I do is, is, an, is an effort of, in stewardship. And that, that's been helpful for me as I've, I've, I've thought about these types of things. Um, how, can, how can I give of my time, talent, and treasure in, in, in response to, to knowing that they're, they're not mine to begin with? Well, yeah, that reminds me of wherever it is in the New Testament, is it Colossians, do your work as unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the idea that uh, if you're goofing off at work, you're stealing from the, from your employer. You know, but most people don't recognize that. Mm-hmm. You're, you're actually stealing money mm-hmm. from your employer because you're getting paid for that time. That's right. Dr. David made a comment on Sunday about uh, you know, when I said, can you can consider how tempting it would have been for an Israelite to withhold, you know, their best oxen or their best, you know, that's, that's a valuable. That's a breeding animal. Right? That's a valuable commodity that 
can hurt their business, can hurt their livelihood. Dr. David can recognize this. I mean, you know, you got your favorite calf in your head right now, Dr. David? I don't have my favorite, but that's the biggest one right there. <laughs> the money maker? That's the one that's going to get sold next week. Yeah. So, yeah, she and three or four others. Yeah. So you can relate to that. Right? Absolutely. Man, that, that's a huge sacrifice. And the temptation to delay or withhold is, is there in Israel's heart. It's in my own heart, man. You know, I guess to come back to tithe check, you know, you can you write that check out and you could consider, oh man, I could do so much I could I could do so much more with this money right here. I yeah, I think I think people think that way too. And uh, I think it, I think it's good to encourage them to, you know, be be generous with your giving and, and test God because he'll he'll take care of you. You you're faithful, you'll be faithful. I see that as being difficult or something for me that's that's the easy part yeah, because yeah, that's the beginning because I mean if you just do it you never see it you never think about it then it just I mean it just wasn't there to think about but I think the hardest part is the selfishness and the, the whole just because we're human and we're selfish is that intellectually we know it's all God's I mean we came into this world with nothing and we'll leave it with nothing. Right. It's all his. We're stewards. But selfishly, we like to... There's a sense of having earned it yes. yourself, right? Yes. You've worked hard. You've done whatever. But yes. really, you just did what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Well, there's a real tangible sense of security and comfort that comes with that. Yeah. That fights against our, our flesh and our and our what we know to be true in our, in our soul, really. And it's a false sense of security. It is. That somehow we've got... The power and strength to to do anything that would help us in the future—it's just wrong and, and and false. So, but that to me, that's the heart behind all this: is that how? What are ways in my life that I just take another reach at security instead of letting the Lord provide? Uh, and that's that, to me, that's where the real work is in, in our in our heart. And I actually see it somewhat in verse 31. You shall be consecrated to me, therefore you shall not eat any flesh that is torn by beasts in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. It's almost as if you see an opportunity to, uh, to accumulate something that's, that's there. And even though, you're, you, you know, obviously we're, we don't need to, later on in the Levitical law, you're going to be told not to touch a dead animal. So there's something about that that honors God. But there's also this opportunistic thing going on here where there's a, there's a meal. I could eat that. But you don't, don't do it. Give it to the dogs. Because God's going to provide. In fact, He did provide. And He will provide through this manna and this water. Yeah, I tried to explain this verse to Jude on Saturday night. We read through the text on Saturday night and talked to it, and he wanted to talk about that verse. And I said, but it's kind of like we see roadkill, and we don't need to pick that up and eat it. Like, God's provided other food for us to eat, and, and which got off in a further kind What if it's fresh? You know, what if we did it? You know, like, we, we don't need... Like a deer on the road. Yeah, like a deer on the road, you know. We, we, don't, we don't need that. 
you. God has provided food for us to eat. We have this. We have these outside cats and Rayvon, and they bring stuff to the back door all the time. It was just. It's as if we're like, I'm not gonna allow this cat to bring me dinner. Yeah. 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 But that's not. That's not for us. I think that's great that y'all read it, the text the night before, because then when he's sitting there and he's hearing it, it's not a first time, and he's like, oh yeah, we talked about that. I think that's a great. It's been helpful. It's a great discipline. I bet it even helps you, or you see sure. it from a child's yeah. perspective. Well, I get, I gotta like it. it kind of is a good, it's a good discipline because I gotta explain it like in such a way like a kick. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna need to work this one out before tomorrow. Uh, you know, kind of. They say you don't know it unless you can teach it. Yeah, story. yeah. It's it's yeah. really like you know. Just knowing what words they're not going to know. <clears throat> like when I teach the kids, that's the first thing when I read through the scripture. I, make a, I write down all of the words that I think I have to define for them as I go along. Yeah, <clears throat> that's good. You know, yeah. so that's and so that's you're important. talking with two. Then sure. Well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking about. I mean, just you learned folks read all this stuff oh, constantly. So to y'all. You don't even have to think about some of those words, but to those of us sitting hearing it, might think, "Oh, I need to grab one." Yeah. Yeah. What do they mean by that? Yeah, <laughs> to the to the, to the eight-year-old, it's yeah. So. Not even just the eight-year-old. Some eighteen-year-olds and twenty-eight, yeah. and thirty-eight, and forty-eight, and fifty-eight. It's like yeah. I downloaded a children's dictionary on my phone, so if the kids ask during class, you know. Even though I know the word, I look it up to see that maybe there's a different way to explain yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's usually yeah. synonyms that I have to change. You know? yeah. So, it, yeah, it's just nice on Saturday night to go ahead and you know hear and hear him ask questions and Grant ask questions and uh, okay, I need to I need to spend some time thinking about how this will get across. You know, especially when you're talking about bestiality and sorcery. <laughs> you know, and it's good to to test the yeah. test the group. That's the grandma with an eight and five year old. So oh, we present the adults. So that's good. Well, I mean, even in the Psalms, you know, we're studying through so many times we're going to read about the that God is a rock and a refuge. Do, do we just read past that word refuge and and not think about what it is? Yeah. You know? uh, so it's important to do that. We know what I mean. We can yeah. all define that. But do we do we do we speed right by it? And not dwell on it for a moment, and, and apply it to God yeah. in our in our situation. I love this word from Second Corinthians, where where Paul's encouraging them, the Corinthians, where he says, "But as you as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge, <coughs> in all earnestness, he is excel in this as well, the generous giving." Mm. And then he says. Know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Mm-hmm. Our richness has nothing to do with the stuff of this world. Mm-hmm. It's a spiritual richness that is a gift from God. It's like everything Yeah, well. Where is it, Wes, that um, I guess it's Jesus talking about eternity and certain things are going to get burned, straw, and, and stuff. First, first Corinthians. 
Yeah, first Corinthians is yeah. just like, man, just stuff. So, has, yeah, what's eternal? Has no, no lasting. Yeah, you know, I've told y'all probably the story of my mom. You know, we, you know, my sister grew up. My mom was a third grade school teacher. And uh, <clears throat> I don't think y'all have to know, but we weren't the, the richest family. And uh, y'all were. She told you you were. She did. And I'd always say as a kid, you know, oh, mom, I want to be rich. I want to be rich. And she'd always respond, we are rich. Rich in Christ. And so every, every time, I want to be rich. Rich. No, rich in Christ. And uh, yeah, it's just a reminder that. You know, about that verse, excelling, I think it applies here, excelling giving. And we think about excelling and like being sanctified in other areas, like oh, I need to be sanctified in this area of fighting against anger or fighting against, you know, speaking bad about other people. I never, I, I rarely ever hear somebody like, I'm being sanctified in my giving, my tithing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I'm wanting to excel in giving. I don't say that. Like, because that, it's like, man, I, am I, am I, do I need to be sanctified in my giving? The pastor of my friend's church, used to, when it was time to give their tithes, he would always tell them, reach into the wallet of the man in front of you and give like you've always wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, puts it in perspective. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, I never think about excelling. I, like, I want to excel in lots of other areas of spiritual discipline and growth. Give it. It's like getting better at that. Yeah, I haven't worked in the construction industry um, before being here and just being around what I would just call regular people, you know. Uh, and them knowing my background in church ministry and stuff like that, it's always made for great conversations. There was this one guy who had was a part of the church that I had come from. And so we would talk in and he had mentioned tithing or giving. He said, so you give like 10%? You give, I said, yeah, man. And it was just something that he couldn't even grasp. I couldn't even begin to think about a whole, giving up a whole 10%. And that's, yeah, I said, look, brother, the way I look at it is it never was mine to begin with. He said, well, that's a good way to think about it. But yeah, I think apart from God and His grace and seeing Jesus' richness and His grace, why would we give? <laughs> it's, it's only because of what we've been given. So in one sense, it's stewardship, and in another sense, it's in response to seeing what you've been given what, in Jesus. And that's what Paul tells yeah. the Corinthians too, that they should get, that the offerings coming from the Macedonian church for the, in, for the poor in Jerusalem, Jerusalem um, and I had never even thought about the fact that they would be being persecuted, yeah, well, yeah. The, the Jewish Christians, because the Jews are all still there. So they're being persecuted, and they are now poor, without position, without job and all. And then um, he's telling them, you give to them because of the rich spiritual thing, mm-hmm. blessings they've given you. Yeah. And that... It also puts into perspective the eternal, the real, the reality of, of our eternal inheritance, or mm-hmm. that it's it's not just something that we look forward to. We tr- we trust in it and hope in it because 
it fueled the way that they gave when you think about it. That's really interesting. Anything else y'all want to talk about? Well, I just—I couldn't help but that to occur to me that within that is because because we're aware of so much today. There's there's so many good things you could get to. Mm -hmm. You know, it's 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 in a way overwhelming. Mm -hmm. uh, to, you know, to say it, it when you're doing whatever you're doing to give. And, well, I'm gonna give to this one and not give to this one. You know, yeah. it's, it's hard. What, what's your two journeys, Pastor? What's his Andy name? Davis. Andy. Yeah. He, in his podcast, talked about the fact that you, it's prayerful giving. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. prayerful, generous, abundant, because if you don't do it prayerfully, then you don't know where to yeah. give it to. You don't know who to give it to. So You get into a paralysis by analysis. Yes. Thing, like, you, you end up like don't giving because like there's so many things to give give to and so many needs I mean so many needs yeah like yeah, I mean th I think we all get an email probably every single day from other a, a ministry or a need that comes up or something like that Prince in Nigeria Prince yeah some you know <laughs> deposed Prince in Nigeria that you know, uh, is trying to regain his kingship and you know needs $200,000 uh, yeah just the needs are Lee and I kind of pray about it together, and that kind of helps us figure out where to go. Because if we well, both... don't need to pray for me then, because I pray about it too, and then then I get something, I go, man, this is. No, really I'm deep. saying like <laughs> you and Martha, y'all, you know, that's what I'm saying. Okay. We pray separately and then discuss it, and and y'all have had situations. Kind of to... had situations where y'all, hey, what? How much did you have on? <laughs> yeah. You know, how much were you thinking? How much were you thinking? Yeah, we do that. And you agree on what yeah, it is. We, we yeah. do that. It's, yeah, that's an encouraging and discouraging for me just to know. I don't think I've really put much prayer into my giving. I need to be better about that. Um, well, let's switch to the first of chapter 23, uh, where the text really shifts towards justice and the pursuit of justice. I found it interesting as I was reading through and looking at some notes last night. The um, where is it at? Oh, verse two: You shall not fall in with many to do evil, nor shall you bear witness in a lawsuit siding with the many. That, that bear witness phrase is similar to the the bearing the name. So it's the same vocabulary word to to lift up or to to take, to take up. Um, so I just, I just thought it was really interesting. I was reading that that connection is there, where we have the you know, seemingly positive. That you know, don't take the. Is it the same bear witness as in the commandments for not bearing false witness? I think that it's take to take to to carry. Um, that's interesting because the NASB doesn't read it that way. What's it say? You shall not follow many men in doing evil, nor shall you 
answer or testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after a multitude in order to pervert justice. So I read that to say don't be influenced by many, many who are thinking this way and perverting justice. You make sure you analyze it God's way and therefore not pervert justice. The word in the NASB that goes with the bear witness is the testify. Yeah, so testify when you testify, that's your answering. Yeah, yeah that's you saying something. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, this commandment or these prohibitions are are uh, based around foul, you know, basically falsifying stuff and the word false there. What does the NASB read there? You shall not spread a you shall not follow a multitude in doing evil. No, in verse in verse one, you shall not oh, spread a it says bear a false report. Spread a false report. Yeah, yeah a vain a vain report. So the same word in 20, chapter twenty verse seven to bear God's name in vain or emptily or or wrongly false. So these are the specifics based off the Ten Commandments, so that's kind of what Charlotte's saying. Yeah. <coughs> the, the case false witness. Yeah, right. bearing false witness. This is the that expansion of the right. The law, is it the law of the... Is that what the, this great name is called? The Law of the Covenant? Yeah, the Book of the Covenant. The covenant. So that, that those first three verses there, that's the picture of the blind lady justice that we have that we are not seeing these days in mm -hmm. our country, sure. but was set up, it's the way our country was set up For sure. based on that. Yeah, the language of many and many and joining hands, like, it's a group, it's a, like a, I don't know what you call this, but like a mob mentality in some sense. The consensus. Yeah, it's a mob mentality. This reminds me of something I bet your mother told you too. But mom, everybody's doing it. Oh yeah. And mom says, well if they jump off, jump off a cliff, you're going to jump with them. It was the bridge around. Yeah, yeah. That's the exactly. bridge. Okay. They jump off the Mississippi Bridge. Yeah, that's, okay. that's exactly. Yeah, the mob mentality to just kind of like, you know, if everybody's walking, walking this way, then just go ahead and start walking that way. Heard. Heard. Her mentality. Her mentality. There's, it's a, when I read this and I think through it, it makes me want to think through the the options I have more, uh, and not just flippantly make a decision, so that you know I wouldn't potentially spread false witness or anything like. That. So it's important for you to to know the different sides. I think about. Um, the SBC presidential campaign, and, and we've got these these two options. And he, I didn't know nothing about that guy when we went when we went and heard him. And I heard him. I said, Sound, he sounded convincing to me. And then when we started talking about, it, I was like, oh, maybe there's other sides to the story. Well, well, man, now I need to go think about the other side of that story. And I could have very easily had just been persuaded and cast a vote. And not been dil diligent enough and, and potentially spread false, false witness. Yeah, I mean, in the age of social media, unfortunately, like this is so, so somebody tweets something about somebody 
and then you just see the the boatload of people responding oh, like, oh yeah, I hate them too. Yeah, they're a dummy. Yeah, like, I can't believe that they did that. When in, when in actuality, the original tweet was either, either inaccurate, uh, was not charitable, was not clear, did not give the full picture. An outright lie. Or an outright lie altogether, you know, just misrepresentation, misrepresented. But man, the, everybody just jumped on. I cannot believe that they did that. When I tried it, they didn't. I either didn't do it, or they didn't do it that way, or they didn't do it for the reason that's assumed, or you know, all, all those different things. Wes and I were talking this morning. He reminded me, or asked me, did I remember the lacrosse, the, the judgment, the, the accusations against the lacrosse team, wherever they were. Do you the Duke lacrosse? Yeah, team. the Duke lacrosse team. Yeah. Oh man, everybody! Yeah, yeah. Everybody jumped on those guys. Well, I can't help but think about Judge Kavanaugh too. Oh man, yeah, absolutely. So does this say if there's a big multitude going one way, you better think about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just don't. I, I think it's what you were saying that do not fall in with the many to do evil. Well, I mean, obviously, we shouldn't be doing evil. No, right. But yeah, what you were saying, what is, do what your is. own due yeah. diligence. Just because there's many doesn't mean it's right. It's yeah. right. That's right. I was struck by verse 5. Uh, if you see the donkey of one who hates you lying down under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving him with it. You shall rescue it with him. So as under the surface there, too, is... Uh, someone who hates you's got valuable things. What could you do with those valuable things? And and how could you? Yeah, how could you capitalize on? This is all kind of like do the right thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, just do the right thing, regardless, regardless of who it is, is mm -hmm. what the circumstances are, what your feelings are. Just do the right thing, and whether or not they would do it for you. Right. Right. Based on. Yeah, it's and yes. what what is that remind you of the uh, the Good Samaritan? Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And I actually, I, throughout reading these verses, I really do think just about Jesus' teaching and and how it's it's the upside down kingdom. You know, it just doesn't come across as something the the natural thing to do. Uh, yeah. So you go. They say go one mile. You go two. Uh, even when you have an opportunity to capitalize, and it's your enemy, uh, no. You know, a lot of my dad. I love my dad, uh, but he loves. He's like, I love Old Testament eye for an eye justice, uh, and I'm like, that's true. But Jesus kind of said some things about that that kind of turn it around. So maybe we should think about that too. You know, turn, turn the other cheek. That Afria stuff is good, but Jesus kind of turned that around a bit. Justice really bothers you and I. It's just so, we just have to trust that God well, is going to handle it all. Part of verse 5 to me too is for the good of the animal. Yeah. Sure. You know, yeah. animals. 
under heavy load. He's, he's maybe not had enough to drink. He may be tired, and he's falling down under the load. You know, do something to help him out. Even if he's belong to your the neighbor that you don't like. <laughs> It's interesting that you bring that up because I do think even in these verses, even at the end of 22 about, you know, they don't, they don't take the, the firstborn away quickly from the mother. Like they leave it with it for 22 where? In chapter 22. In chapter 22 verse uh, 29 through oh, oh, they don't immediately take it from its right. mother. You know, Seven they, days. Like there, there's some humane, like. Well, even in the dairy industry, that's the one I can think about quickly. You know, when it, in order for the for the cow to give milk, she's got to get pregnant and have, have a baby. Right. Well, you don't take the baby away for several days. He, yeah. he, he needs the first milk, he needs the colostrum, you know, and, and, and then you gradually work the cow into fully into the milking herd. So, yeah. And like, there, there's a, there's a, uh, I don't know, don't be inhumane with people. Exactly. You know? Which we're going to see some of that this upcoming Sunday yeah. in, the, in the text as we talk about not boiling a baby goat in its mother's milk. Don't be yeah. Don't do that. Be weird. It's the seven days and on the eighth day you shall give it to me. Does that have to do with when they were supposed to bring the child for circumcision and stuff? I think it is a, a very connected reference to circumcision. Yeah, even in even in that, there's order and and how God operates. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you guys don't have any other comments or anything, we can uh, we can wrap this one up, or we can keep talking as much as y'all want. I've got something written here that Wes must have said somewhere. Oh wait, I had something where I had dot dot dots. Hmm. Where I couldn't write fast enough and need to go back and help Anyway, I've got, we should decide to live and do right regardless of people's status. I think we're really guilty of giving credibility to people with status yeah. and not giving credibility to people who lack status mm -hmm. in ways that are not right. Yeah. Right. They're Regardless of socioeconomic or political status, what's the most important status? And it's the fact that we're co-image bearers, right? And that alone should, should move us to, to treat people with dignity, respect, and, uh, and justice. Yeah, because the text gives you the case of the poor. So how can justice be perverted or subverted by showing partiality to the poor or by withholding justice for the poor? So injustice is both like 
can be can be done. And so, because of this person's socio stat, status in society, whether we withhold justice or we give them justice that they may not deserve, mm -hmm. which is not justice. I mean, you know, that's right. I think this may be where I missed a word. Our speech and conduct should be categorized as, and then I have a question mark, and then I put respectful. I think I meant, that's what I was saying. I that too. Did I say holy? It should be categorized as, and I didn't write fast enough. Is, on the, is it on the manuscript? I'm sure there's 12 pages. <laughs> it may have been off manuscript, off script. What is this? What do you say? It's in the uh, 28 through 31 part, for sure. I don't know. Uh, it's probably the pursuit. Oh, uh, the pursuit of homeliness? Well, it's not what uh, Stacey's talking about, but I mean, I definitely wrote down and appreciated conformity to the world is contrary to God's holiness. That's, that's something to remember for sure. Yeah. And that goes along with down in this, uh, what we were just reading in 23, 1 through 3. You know, you're, not, you're not going along with the crowd. The world could be associated with the crowd of the multitude. Yeah, kind of. I, what I wrote down with that is um, who do you want to be more like? Me the too. World. I wrote the world, because then you can't be like God. That's right. God, then you can't be like the world. I wrote that down right over that time. Reminds I didn't say this first, but doesn't it? It's just the verse that just rings in my head is that James 2 passage, or James, might be James 2 passage. Um, friendship with the world yeah. Yeah. is enmity with God, I think is what James think like it does. And, uh, well, and then it goes on to say, do not, or maybe this is after that, do not love the world or the things of the world, for they are not from God. Right. Well, that's great stuff. Thank you all for Thank you. Thank you. discussing. Yeah. Oh, y'all did the bulk of the work.